All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Newt News Podcast. Today is supposed to just be a pitching edition. Obviously, pitching is the Cardinals' biggest problem. The farther we get into the season, the clearer it becomes that this team can hit, but they can't pitch. And when the offense is constantly under pressure to produce, it's not going to go very well. And that's kind of what we've seen this year from the Cardinals. But we had to take a second to address what happened two days ago during Alec Burleson's at bat with the Cardinals down four, three in the eighth inning of an important game against the Cubs at Wrigley field. The bases were loaded with one out Burleson comes to the plate and works a three Oh count, a ball clearly outside of the zone, but close enough that you could sort of make an argument. Uh, it comes down and Ron Culpa behind the plate calls it strike one Burleson asks, did that hit the corner? Obviously thinking that's pretty far outside. Uh, Culpa says, yes, the next pitch comes down significantly farther outside, probably three or four inches farther outside. And Culpa calls it a strike again. Burleson is just beside himself. One more pitch comes down. Burleson ends up having to swing because you have to, right? Whoever was on the mound, I believe it was Merriweather for the Cubs. I might be wrong. Um, knew that he was going to get that call threw it way outside again. Burleson rolls over one double play inning ends cards end up losing four, three. Uh, if Culpa had just made the correct call, the run would have come across. The game would have been tied with the bases loaded and one out. The Cardinals probably score there again. Um, but Culpa basically assisted that double play, gave the Cubs a win. It was an unacceptable scene. I mean, yeah, you have the bases loaded for Alec Burleson. He should have, like, he took ball four and then he took ball five and then he grounds into double play. So, like, it's not really much that you can do there. I know some people were saying you should have pinch hit Gorman. The strikeout is, is better than the double play in that situation. But like Burleson did his job. He drew a walk. Twice. Yeah. Twice. And then after that, you got what? New Bar, Goldschmidt, Arenado coming up with the bases loaded and one out. Um, yeah, you probably you probably score a lot in that situation. New Bar draws a lot of walks. The guy on the mound had no control whatsoever. Yeah. And I mean that just straight up cost us the game. Like maybe, maybe new bar also grounds a double play and then we lose the game in extra innings. I'd rather have that than, than what I saw on, on Friday. It was just unacceptable by the umpires. Totally agree. It was, it was absolutely pathetic and it was indicative of a bad zone by Culpa all day long. He called a terrible game. He cost the Cardinals, not only in that spot, but a couple of others as well. There was a Goldschmidt at bat that he got horribly wrong I mean, the zone was both high and low, both inside and outside, except it was also inconsistent. There were random moments when balls caught the corner and then were called balls. Culpa's bad, and we know he's bad. I mean, he's, he's one of the worst umpires across the league. That's pretty well known. He has worse numbers than Angel Hernandez over the past five seasons. I think this needs more attention. Whatever the case, Culpa's trash. We need more new, fresh umpires who actually know how to call games. Moving on, talking about that's just going to make me angry. We're here to address the pitching today. Everyone in Cardinals Nation has been, you know, very frustrated with the way the team has pitched this year. And that's very fair. Coming into the season, most Cardinals fans said there needed to be more done about the pitching staff. Mo said, no, we have six starters. Who he was referring to, I don't know. Maybe Woodford was the sixth starter, maybe Hudson, whatever. He thought he had depth that he didn't have. Um, is the most important thing. And it's gone really poorly for the Cardinals this season. So poorly, in fact, that they're in fourth place in division that includes the Reds, Brewers, Cubs, and Pirates. So it's not great. Anyhow, the Cardinals need to start fixing things now so that they don't enter 2024 with the same issues. So Andrew and I have both brought a couple of intriguing options to the table here to go over. 
So I'll start by talking about some of the Mariners' young arms that we've been linked to. Um, the guy I really like over there is Brian Wu. Hasn't had the greatest start of the season so far, but he's really young, and his baseball savant uh, page, all the expected numbers are really good. 84th percentile in K rate already at such a young age is really, really good to see. Um, that's what the Cardinals said they were going to focus on. Mosellock said we need pitching and we need strikeout pitching specifically. The the pitch to contact philosophy just isn't going to work with aging defenders and Arenado and banning of the shift. It's just not the way this team is going to win anymore. So I think uh, bringing in Brian Wu for maybe some Alec Burleson, Dylan Carlson type outfielders would be really, really good to see. Um, Logan Gilbert's another guy we've been linked to. I'm not as high on him as a lot of Cardinal fans. Um, he's 26. Hasn't been amazing in his career. Um, he's been probably a serviceable like three, four starter for the Mariners, but that's just not going to really slot into our rotation who have a lot of like three, four starter guys. Like that's what Michaelis is. That's what Matt's is at his peak. That's what Libertor is going to be. Um, we don't, we don't need more of that. We need ace type pitching. Um, yeah. Uh, any other Mariners arms that you, you think we, we should be looking into? Well, of the ones that are available, I think Kirby's obviously their best young arm, but he's not going to be up for grabs. I think of the ones that are available, actually, Miller might be the most intriguing to me. He's had a lot of success in his rookie year. He's pitched to a 115 ERA this year. Um, I, with Gilbert, like, there's already a lot of control that's gone out the window, right? This is his third year. Um, so you're not going to be getting a guy who's 23. As you said earlier, he's 26. And he just hasn't had a ton of success up to this point in his career. And I think this needs to be said for, for all three of these Mariners arms that we're talking about. None of them have strikeout numbers that jump off the page. I know you mentioned this a bit, but none of them are striking out more than nine, 9.2 guys per nine innings. And to me, that's just not what the Cardinals need right now. Um, I, I got into a long argument with a Mariners fan recently and his whole thing was that Logan Gilbert is going to win a Cy Young one day. I just don't think that's true. I don't think Logan Gilbert has the ceiling to be a one. I don't know why people are saying that. He doesn't have incredible stuff. He, he doesn't profile at the top of rotation with what he throws now. Maybe if he revamped his pitch arsenal, but you can say that about almost anybody in baseball under the age of 30, that, oh, you could unlock something. Of course, that's how baseball works. Um, I'm just not a huge fan of his. I think his numbers look really similar to Miles Michaelis's. Actually, I think if you put... Michaelis in front of a better defense, his numbers would basically be Logan Gilbert's this year. And Michaelis is good, but we all see this year that Michaelis can't be your number one. Michaelis is our number one. And obviously that's not working out. So I don't know. The problem with Gilbert again is he's really pricey. And that's the problem with all three of these Mariners arms. All of them are probably going to cost you Nolan Gorman. I would love if I could just throw Tyler O'Neill and Paul DeYoung at somebody and say, okay, give me a pitcher, but it doesn't work like that, especially not in a pitching starved market like we are in right now. So I think any of those arms, the Mariners are going to ask for Gorman if they don't ask for Walker. And obviously Mo hangs up the phone if they bring up Walker's name. But I think it's probably going to cost you Gorman to acquire any of them. Brian Wu has maybe the highest ceiling, but he's also super unproven. And he didn't really rank that high on prospect lists. I know I should take those with a grain of salt, but mostly wasn't super high on him anyway. He didn't get a lot of time in the high minors, just kind of jumped up here. And he also has a profile that could put him in the bullpen someday. A lot like Matt Brash when he came up where he throws a slider a lot. I don't know. Um, I'm not his biggest fan either. So I'm actually interested in a different pitcher. So I'll do uh, my guy now. Dylan Cease is the guy for me. And I know the White Sox aren't actively shopping him right now, 
Um, but if he becomes available, he's the guy, probably the only guy across baseball right now who the Cardinals have been linked to at all, where I would say no matter what the price is, go get him. I'll trade Gorman and Carlson for Dylan Cease and maybe Tommy Edmond too, because I think Dylan Cease brings that elite strikeout stuff that can sit at the top of the Cardinals staff for years to come. After this season, he has two more full years left, and he just finished second in Cy Young voting last year. Dylan Cease is a stud. Dylan Cease has great strikeout stuff, and while he's had a bit of a down season with a 4.04 ERA this year, he still looks great. He gets on the mound. He, he's a bulldog. He pitches deep into games, and he has a little bit of control issue, but again, he brings something to the staff that nobody else does right now, and that's the ability to strike out 10 or 11 guys in a single game. Yeah, Dylan C is definitely really intriguing. He's had some struggles this year pitching to a 404 ERA, but last year he was just completely electric. Um, yeah. 11.1 Ks per nine. I think that was second in the entire league behind Shohei Otani. Um, and 10.9 Ks per nine this year. Um, really, really good stuff out of him. I just think it'll cost a little bit too much. Um, I don't think I'm, I'm willing to give up Gorman and Carlson, like you said. I know Jeff Jones brought up Tommy Edmund and Dylan Cease. Yes. I think the White Sox are pretty defense starved right now. Tim Anderson at shortstop is probably not going to play very well for the rest of his career. And I think Tommy Edmonds slotting in at second base shortstop for them would be a really good fit. I think maybe giving up a couple of like mid-tier prospects would work. I don't really want to part with Nolan Gorman um, for really anything. I think, yeah, he's been really streaky this year, but he's shown time and time again that like he's still a really, really good left-handed power bat. Yeah. And when's the last time the Cardinals really had a lefty bat like that? Was it like Matt Carpenter even like maybe for like six months in that, that year where he had like 36 home runs. But other than that, I, I can't really think of another guy that, that really fits that. Yeah. Gorman does have a very high ceiling and we've all seen it, right? Like Gorman led the league in OPS in the middle of May. Gorman was having a great start to the year. And while, like you said, he had a down month in June, he's right back up and mashing in July. Gorman obviously has the ceiling to lead the NL in home runs someday, right? Like, like you said, 40 home runs at second base, that's a pretty awesome player profile, right? That's a super valuable guy on any team. And I think that's a higher ceiling than most of the pitchers that we'll discuss today have. But I think Dylan Cease has that kind of ceiling. And I think that's why I'd be willing to give Gorman up. We just saw him almost win a Cy Young award. The last Cardinal to win a Cy Young was Matt or uh, was Chris Carpenter in the early two thousands. Like it's been a while since we had someone like that at the top of the rotation. And I think if that's what you have to do, if you have to trade him and Tommy Edmond, I probably, I wouldn't trade three big names for him, but if you had to trade Gorman and Tommy Edmond to acquire Dylan Cease, I, I think I'd go for it. Obviously, if, if the price gets higher than that, or if they want Walker, I'm out Walker. I'm probably not trading for anybody that's available right now. I'm probably out, but I think it's, it's worth it for what Dylan sees brings to your staff. I really do think he's the best name available and, and by far the most interesting to me across the entire league right now. And like you said, we match up really well as trade partners um, with the Chicago white Sox, their middle infield, no matter how you slice it is awesome. Awful. Tim Anderson is having his worst year and, and he looks unplayable right now. The last time he had a home run, uh, Matt Manning hadn't even undergone Tommy John surgery yet. So, I, <laughs> and he's back and pitching again. So it's pretty unbelievable that they're still rolling with him every day. They need someone else up there. Tommy Edmond could be a really good fit for them. As we've seen before, he's a four and a half to five and a half war player. That's a really valuable piece. I think we could find some common ground there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a guy I want to acquire. I just don't know if Gorman uh, is the guy I want to give up, but I understand. Looking to, 
another team that um, has been struggling a lot, kind of like the Mariners, a little bit more, I'd say. Uh, the New York yeah. Mets have a couple of arms on potentially expiring contracts that mm. I think we could go after. Um, the first guy is, is a guy I've been um, – I've liked for for a while now. Um, Jose Quintana has just come back, and he looked he looked pretty good in his first start. I'm gonna say, um, and the Mets I've heard are actively shopping him. He's not a guy I've heard in a lot of trade talks. I don't think he would be very um, very hard to get. Really, um, he has one more year left. Um, the Mets are going to be paying him 13 million dollars. So it's a two year, 26 million dollar contract. So um, the rest of this year, and then 13 million dollars for next year. I think that the Mets eat a little bit of that. We could give them like a couple of mid to low tier prospects in return, kind of like what we did for the Pirates. So we gave them Oviedo, who everyone was freaking out at the start of the season. Oh no, he's the next like Zach Gallon type. No, he's he's actually not that good. Just go on um, Oviedo. Yeah, yeah, no, he's not. Um, so maybe like a, a Jake Woodford and then like a couple of mid-tier prospects gets the job done for him. The Mets eat like maybe two, three million for the rest of his contract for this year and next year. And I think we could have a deal. Um, Quintana fits in really well. Um, he and Contreras have been battery mates in the past. I know they're still pretty close friends. Quintana was excited to potentially rejoin Contreras. That didn't end up happening. Um, but if we could swing a trade with the Mets, bring it, bring him back. Uh, he was really good for us at the end of last season. Yeah, and I could see how the Mets might be interested in shedding that payroll. I mean, obviously, payroll doesn't mean that much to Steve Cohen. But at the same time, freeing up space is always nice. Uh, the Mets will have Scherzer, Verlander, and Senga all under control again next year. Um, and obviously, if those three are healthy, they're three really, really great pitchers. So I could see how they could see that they have some depth. They could maybe want to move some money around. I really like this idea. I think Quintana is someone who was under the radar last year and provided incredible innings for the Cardinals down the stretch. So good, in fact, that he got to start game one of our playoff series. I mean, Quintana's a, he, he's a dude on the mound. I really like him. He limits home runs, which is something the Cardinals need. So I agree. I think that's a really great idea. I would love to see the Cardinals deal for him, especially if it's not going to break the prospect bank. Yeah. Um, with the Mets, there's another guy I kind of briefly want to mention. I saw this article by Josh Jacobs the other day. Um, Max Scherzer apparently could be on the move for the Mets. And he does have a full no trade clause, but I think, I mean, being a St. Louis guy, he'd probably yeah. bring it for the Cardinals. He's getting paid a lot, so the Mets would have to eat a significant portion of that uh, payroll. Um, and I think – does he have an opt-out? No, that's Verlander who has an opt-out, right? Um, yep. But so, neither of them will opt-out. They're making $43 yeah. million. I mean, he's going to stay on that contract. He's probably not worth that. So if you could pay him, like, I don't know, $25, $30 million next year, I feel like that would be potentially worth it for a guy with that kind of ceiling. I know Scherzer's been old uh, and injury-plagued last yeah. couple of seasons. He hasn't been himself, but, I mean – Scherzer said he's open to, to waiving his no trade clause, and uh, why not? Why not bring him home if it's if it's uh, cheaper for the Cardinals? Shed some of that payroll. Mm -hmm. I know the Mets are going to be in on Otani, so you know. Um, yeah, I think for a year of Scherzer, we could give up again, probably the same, a uh, couple of uh, probably better prospects than we give up for Quintana, especially if the Mets eat a good chunk of that salary. But um, yeah. It wouldn't cost the Cardinals nearly as much as it would be for Brian Wu. And we're talking about, what, like a three-time Cy Young winner. Um, sure, it's at the end of his career, but we saw what Verlander did last year. Um, definitely definitely would be worth a flyer. Yeah, well, it's, it's Scherzer's Scherzer. Like, he's going to be a good pitcher if he's healthy. So I, I'm, I agree with you. If the Mets are shopping him, given the extra control, I would love to see the Cardinals make a play for him. I'd probably like to see the Cardinals do that over the offseason, though. 
And that's, uh, that's another thing. Any of these moves for the most part could occur both at the deadline or the off season with how 2023 is gone, probably would prefer most of them to be in the off season. I don't want to pay for 60 games that don't matter of these guys, you know, and especially if it's, you're getting prorated salary for Scherzer. Like I don't want to pay Scherzer $15 million <laughs> to be on the team this year if we're not going to be any good. Um, but one more arm that I want to talk about from my side is uh, actually a collection of arms with the Yankees. I think the Yankees have some really interesting starting prospects. This has been beaten around a little bit, especially on Twitter, where a lot of Yankees fans have engaged Cardinals fans um, with some pretty crappy trade proposals. <laughs> but I want to be realistic here. Uh, I think the Yankees obviously need outfield help. Um, I think Dylan Carlson could be a great fit there. I don't want to trade Carlson. I think Carlson has a really high ceiling. I really like Carlson as a player. He looks natural in the field. He runs well. I mean, he seems to do everything right. But at the same time, it's going to hurt to rebuild the pitching staff. The team, the pitching is so bad and the offense is so good and so deep. You have to give some of that up and you have to trade real talent to get real talent. So I think I'd be willing to deal Carlson for a package from the Yankees that includes at least two arms that I really like. I really want Beater and I really want Schmidt. These are two really interesting names for me. Beater has shown some pretty good strikeout stuff. Uh, he's not on a ton of prospect lists right now. I think he's underrated. Um, a lot of Cardinals fans who've sort of engaged with this seem to think he is too. And he's been directly linked to the Cardinals. Um, it's been it's been well known now for a little while that if the Cardinals brass talks to Yankee personnel, that's a guy they'll be targeting in any package. Schmidt at the same time has been decent. He's been really good in AAA. He's shown you know flashes at the high minors. I think he could be a really good addition to this team. He's not going to profile as a one, but you don't need multiple ones. You need to get the one, one, and that's cease. <laughs> if you get someone else, I do think Schmidt would be a great four, a three or four option. Uh, go behind Michaelis. You could slot him in deeper in your rotation. And he's a guy that you'll get six years of control, seven if you manipulate the service time, which I'm not always against. Hey, I'm not a jerk, okay? I'm not against the players. I just like when my teams win. And if everyone else is going to do it, you might as well too. Um, but you can get a lot of control out of him. He could be a dependable piece of rotation moving forward. Got decent strikeout stuff. I think that's an arm I'd really like to acquire. And I think it could come back in a Dylan Carlson trade package. Yeah. Um, one, one Yankee pitcher I'm looking at, um, that I think the Yankees are really keen to give up, especially Yankee fans is Isaiah Kiner Falefa. He has a 204 ERA plus this year. You know, did you know that four innings pitched only given up one run? To like take Cam Josh Donaldson, and then we can give up like Nolan Arenado. You know that I think the Yankee fans, Cardinal fans, would both be really happy with that. No, I'm kidding. Nothing will beat the three-team trade I saw a Mets fan propose with Mets, Yankees, and Cardinals. By the way, two teams that probably wouldn't want to trade with the Mets. But anyway, in this deal, somehow the Cardinals ended up with Josh Donaldson and Brett Beatty, two third basemen. In exchange, we gave up Donovan, Arenado, and Mason Wynn. And then the yeah, and it all worked out on the trade calculator website because Arenado is such a negative quantity, and Brett Beatty is worth like fifty. It was the worst trade I've ever seen. I mean, IKF has a two point seven nine fit through four innings pitch. Like, how can you say no to that? He's almost like Shohei Otani, who I know you want to talk about. I, I mean, he struck out a batter and he hit a home run in the same game. That's just like Shohei Otani does that like every other day. He doesn't even do that every start. So obviously to get back on track here, there are two ways that you can acquire talent. I mean, three, if you count the rule five draft, but ah, there are, there are two main ways you can acquire proven talent and that's either through free agency or through the trade market. 
I don't think the Cardinals should in, engage in either route completely to fix this problem. The pitching staff is such a problem. You're probably going to need a sort of blended approach. And so I think they need to make at least one trade because you need how, how many starters do you have under contract next year? Michaelis, Mats. That's it. You're losing Flaherty. You're losing Montgomery. I'm, you're losing Wainwright, who is starter in quotation marks this year, unfortunately. I love you, Adam, but it's been hard to watch. I hope he has a better finish to the season. But you're losing a lot of guys. I mean, there's almost nobody under contract next year. I think you probably need to go into free agency and get at least one guy there. But you need to at least make one big trade. You need to acquire a one or a two via trade. And it's going to hurt. You're going to have to give up somebody important. Cardinals fans that have untouchable lists that include Donovan, Gorman, Carlson. I mean, one of those three might have to go in a big trade. Yeah, uh, it's it's going to hurt. I know Cardinal fans were really upset when Harrison Bader got traded. That was a lot of people's favorite players. And I get it. He was an exciting yeah. guy. But like you look at look at what Montgomery's given us and you look at what Bader's given the Yankees. Sure, it was an exciting like ALCS or whatever when he was hitting like yeah. 500. But in such a small sample size, he's come back down to earth um, in recent recent weeks. He's been hurt a lot. You, you have to part with players that you really, really like. Um, and whether that's giving up uh, Tommy Edmond or, or Nolan Norman for for a top pitcher, I think depending on depending on who it is, uh, Nolan Norman, I, I'd be willing to part with. Uh, Tommy Edmond, I think, is a guy that's probably um, destined to get traded at this trade deadline anyway. Um, but yeah, there's going to be guys that that we have to give up to get pitching that we want. And I know the Montgomery trade hurt last last summer, but look look what it's given us. He's been by far our best pitcher. I oh, think yeah. he's fifth in the National League in ERA among qualified pitchers. He's going to get signed yeah. votes this year. It's going to be it's going to be really really good. And Harrison Bader has just been hurt pretty much the whole time for the Yankees. So, yeah, I mean Montgomery's been the far better player than Bader since the trade. I don't think there are any Cardinals fans that know what they're talking about that wouldn't make that trade again. Obviously, I mean, and when you acquire starting pitching that's controllable, usually it works out for you. Um, obviously injuries can happen, but when you acquire good, dependable, high talent starting pitching, it generally works out. And that's what the Cardinals need to do right now. They have to go acquire good starting pitching. That's so expensive and it's going to hurt, but I mean, you have to do it. And, and moreover, the Cardinals have to commit to nine players. You can only have nine players on the field at once. You know, the Cardinals might have 14 or 15 in, intriguing big level, like, you know, big league level bats, but you can't play all those guys. They've had a lot of trouble playing 11 of them this year. You know, you're going to have to clear guys out. You're going to have to fix the roster jams somehow. And if those guys have to be gone, let's trade them for controllable starting pitching. Yeah, I think we should trade Taylor Motter. Uh, he's playing today. I don't really know why. Anyway. Um, Package Taylor Motter, Jose Fermin, and Juan Yepes for Shoei Otani. I think the trade simulator, uh, you have to, you have, uh, the Angels have to throw in Mike Trout, you know. Otherwise, the trade simulator website won't, won't like it very much. Yeah, how Trout's worth like negative 50 on there, I just don't understand. Anyway, um, we should get into free agent uh, starting pitchers that that we like. I, I'm not going to mention the obvious one. Um, I was told before the show that I'm not allowed to talk about um, Shohei Otani. Um, so, <laughs> you already mentioned his name. Just say it. Yeah. Um, we, sh- we should sign him, but it, we probably won't. So one guy um, that I really like. Also coming over from Japan uh, is Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Uh, this season, 
he's just been been lights out. Um, I think he has a whip under like 0.9, like 0.87 something, uh, pitching to an ERA under one. And I know Japanese league stats don't always translate to the major leagues. We've seen pitchers come over who are really good in Japan that haven't really been as good in, in uh, the major leagues, but. I think I've seen enough this year. Kodai Senga has been really good. Um, Yoshida, I know he's a hitter, but um, he's also translated really well to the major leagues. Um, I think Japan is developing a lot of really, really good talent over there that's going to eventually come over here. We've seen Roki Sasaki in the WBC. He was completely disgusting. He's like, what, 21 years old, throwing 103 miles an hour? That guy's crazy. Um, But unfortunately, we can't sign him just yet. have to wait a couple more years before he's eligible to be posted. But I think Yamamoto is going to be a free agent um, this upcoming offseason. There's going to be a lot of teams interested in him. But if you look outside of like the Nolas and Ureuses of the world, um, that's probably the guy that you have to go after if you don't want to also spend $30 million a year on a DH. So um, I think that's the guy That's the guy um, that we should go after if we're un- unable to sign any of those big free agents. Yeah. I would probably agree with that. I think he's one of the highest ceiling options available. Um, For me, I'm also thinking about another option who I think has a pretty high ceiling, and that's Frankie Montas. That's a name that hasn't been kicked around much this year. He hasn't pitched yet for the Yankees. They acquired him from Oakland at the deadline last year. He made just a couple starts down the stretch, pitched to a 635 ERA. It was awful. And they gave up quite a bit to get him. They gave up Waldachuk, who's been okay in Oakland, a couple other prospects. It was a sizable package. Um, And that just shows you how hard it is to acquire starting pitching. It's expensive, Uh, but he has not pitched. He's been hurt. He hasn't been on the field yet. I think because of that, his value is going to be really low. And if you can get a guy for less than $10 million a year, AAV, if you can get that guy and the Yankees were willing to give up multiple good prospects for one and a half years of him, I think that's got to be something intriguing. Um, It's going to be a buy low type of thing. I think the Cardinals could sign him to a two-year deal worth $17 million, somewhere in that ballpark. And I think he'd take it as a prove-it deal. He might be looking for a one-year deal um, so he can hit the open market again. But if you can find this guy as a stopgap for at least one, maybe two or three years, that's really interesting to me. He's been a good pitcher for most of his career. Um, He's got a 104 career ERA ERA plus, so it's not terrible. And he's had a couple years where he's had all-star level production. He's had two years in particular where he looked fantastic. Um, he made 32 starts in 2021 and he hadn't had a lot of injury problems before this current one. I think if he's healthy this off season, it'd be a shame if the Cardinals didn't make a play, you could slot him in. I think he's got a much higher ceiling than Steven Matz, someone they were recently willing to give 11 million a year to. So I think he's someone you have to be interested in. And again, it keeps the Cardinals away from the top of the market where you'll probably be paying 30 million a year for someone like Urias, who I don't think fits with the Cardinals or Nola, who I think is a much better option for the Cardinals, but still super expensive. And if you know the Cardinals, you know, they're not going to give someone seven years, $230 million. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. One guy, another guy I want to mention is Blake Snell. I think he's a free agent at the end of the season. Um, the reason I'm not as high on Blake Snell, he's gotten really lucky this year, um, two, six, seven ERA, but pitching to a FIP of three, six, six. He also just doesn't need innings. Uh, he's leads yeah. the league in walks, actually, um, which is not great. He's just not efficient. Um, the five innings he'll give you every start is really good, but he'll never go deeper than that, really. Um, he's kind of a scary option. Um, he's had some years that he's been not great with the Padres. Um, I think a guy that I, I largely stay away from this offseason. 
Yeah, I would agree. Blake Snell looks like he might win the second Cy Young award of his career, which is pretty wild, right? I mean, yeah. I know he won it back in 2018 with the Rays and he had a great year that year. It was a little questionable to give it to him just because of the innings total. Um, but he might do it again. You know, I mean, he's leading the NL and ERA. He's basically been available every turn through the rotation so far this year for the Padres. But like Andrew said, he's not going to eat a lot of innings. And I think that's a huge problem, especially for a Cardinals team. And we've seen what an overtaxed bullpen looks like. Even an overtaxed bullpen that has talent up and down, they just can't handle it. When the workload is too high for the bullpen, it, it doesn't go very well. So I agree. And I also think the other problem with Snell, I think he's going to get a lot of money. I think Snell's probably going to get somewhere around $25 million a year, and I'm not interested in, in paying that. So um, that's, that's about all I can say for Snell. I don't think the Cardinals should target him. Let's play a game. How many unearned runs did the Cardinals just give up? Three? Two. No. Right, Montgomery just throws the ball away. Um, Ian Half reaches on an air, and then Bellinger homers with two outs. That's fun. Uh, anyway. That's uh, what happens when we record podcasts. During Every the- time the Cardinals make a mistake, I swear, the sequencing is so bad. Every time they mess anything up, <laughs> they get punished for it. And that seems to be, that seems to be the way it's been all year. So, Stuff. Well, on that happy note, thanks for tuning in to, to listen to us kick around some pitching ideas. If you've got any ideas of your own or anyone you think we should pursue, I know we didn't really touch on any of the Marlins' young arms. That's obviously a lot of people. I mean, I think – Kim Ng will value them very highly. I think they'll be very expensive. Um, but if you're interested in any of those guys or anyone else anywhere else in the league, uh, please let us know. Reach out to us with trade proposals. We'd love to you know, have some dialogue surrounding that. But enjoy the rest of this game. The Cardinals are already down 2 nothing, so that's a real shame. Um, but, you know, hey, <laughs> enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be back soon with another episode of Newt News. So until then, 